Hey there, is today your first time here? Or maybe your first time in a while? If so, maybe you're wondering exactly who we are and what this church is all about. Well, we'd like you to know that we're a group of ordinary people who are on an amazing journey together, following Christ. Our guide is the Bible because it's the divinely inspired Word of God and it will never take us in the wrong direction. Along the way, we hope you'll see that we are welcoming and spiritually passionate and that getting to know you is a big deal to us. We know that the road is rough sometimes, but we'll work really hard to bring you practical and relevant messages to equip and encourage you through life's ups and downs. We want you to know that we care about this community and we believe that it's our job to make it a better place. So no matter who you are or where you've been, we're glad you're here with us today. And we hope that you'll join us on our journey, following Christ and living out His plan for us. So welcome to church. Hello, hello, hello. Good evening and welcome to another Refresh Bible Study. I am Pastor Edwin Strickland and I am happy to be here with you this evening. Listen, we are a church that's teaching you how to walk in love, how to live by faith so that you may experience God's prosperity in every area of your life. And if that is what you are excited about, if that is what you're looking forward to, then you have tuned in to the right place. Listen, we ask you to do this every week, and I know some of you have already done it. But for those of you who haven't, I need you to do me a favor. I need you, if you see that red box in the upper corner of your screen, that means you are watching me live. I need you to go ahead and hashtag the word live in the comment section. Wherever you are, go ahead and hashtag the word live and let us know that you are watching live. If you don't see that red box, then we ask you to hashtag the word replay so that we'll know that you got a chance to catch it uh, when you were available to watch it. And remember, as a partner of Fellowship of Champions, even if you don't watch it live, you are still responsible for every word that comes across this broadcast. Why? Because we are growing on a journey together and you don't want to miss out. Also, let us know where you are watching from. Let us know where you are watching from by simply just shouting out your city, shouting out your state, uh, shouting out your country, you know, because at Fellowship of Champions Church International, we are an international ministry. We have partners uh, all over the globe. So wherever you are, go ahead and shout that out. And then after you've done all of that, make sure you like this broadcast, okay? Make sure you like it. Make sure you hit the like button. Make sure you hit the heart button or the care button. But let us know that you are watching by liking this broadcast. And then I need you to get your finger ready and just start giving some hearts. Give me about 15 or 20 hearts, 15 or 20 likes. You can start putting some fire emoji uh, in the comments if that's what you need to do, because I'm telling you, tonight's going to be a great night. I am anointed to teach you and you are anointed to learn. And so I'm excited about this opportunity uh, to be here with you tonight. As you know, I'm not Pastor Ralph. I am Pastor Edwin. Pastor Ralph and, 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 and April are uh, on vacation. They're having a great time and we love that for them. Uh, but we're going to get in here tonight and we're going to uh, expand our knowledge. This is Bible study. So we're going to expand our knowledge 
uh, of God's word so that we can put it to practice in our life. Amen. So go ahead. If you would help me out with some social media outreach, I need you to do that by simply clicking on that share button. If you see partners who have uh, not shown up yet and you see them all the time, go ahead and, and, and tag them. They won't mind if you tag them. If you got friends or family you want to share this with, remember, you can always share this on your own page. You can share it on your own story uh, a couple of times during the week, and then you can tag those people who are friends. And if you're a member of a group that allows you to do that, then by all means, you can also share it in those groups. Why? Because we want to get this word out. We want to get this teaching out because we believe that something supernatural happens when we get the word in our lives. Amen. I want to say real quick to all of our first time visitors. Hello. Thank you for joining. Thank you for being here. If you someone uh, sent you a link and that's how you're, you showed up here, you're like, what is this? Listen, we're happy to have you. Okay. We're glad that you're here. We believe that something will be said or done that will allow you uh, to strengthen your walk with the Lord. We also want to encourage all of our partners and those who may just be visitors of the ministry that you never have to miss a word. You never have to miss a word. You can join our, um, you can subscribe to our, our broadcast. All you have to do is go to one of the various places where we have our podcast. Uh, it's just like on Google, it's on Spotify, iTunes, any place that you can uh, listen to a podcast, you can find us there. YouTube, you can download that. And then if you happen to not be able to catch us live, you know, you can always catch us on the replay. OK, I'm going to go through our announcements just real quick because I want to do them. Uh, at, I want to do them real quick so I don't have to necessarily do, rush at, to, through the message to get to them. As you know, on Monday, we have strategies for success at 12 noon with Pastor Sean. On Tuesday night, we have prayer at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, something supernatural happens when you pray and you ought to set your alarm to always be there with us for that. Amen. And then also on Wednesday nights, Ignite, we at 7 p.m. is for our teens. We have Victory Zone that is on demand. Parents, you can always allow your children to watch those Victory Zone lessons over and over. And when you're in Bible study, they can be watching that as well. Of course, we have Refresh Bible Study, which is taking place right now. Uh, typically, it's with Pastor Ralph, but sometimes I'll pop in. Sometimes Pastor Sean will pop in. Sometimes it'll be a special guest, and and, and you never know uh, who, who's going to be here. But whoever's going to be here is going to be great teaching, right? And then we're off on Thursdays, and then Friday mornings, we ask you to join us at 6.30 a.m. It's the second time of the week that we come together to pray because, again, we believe that something supernatural happens when we pray. Uh, we believe in prayer. We are a ministry of, of prayer and a people of prayer. Uh, and so we ask you to join us at 6.30 a.m. Uh, every Friday morning for that. We ask you to enjoy your time on Saturdays with your friends, your family, do whatever you need to do to relax, uh, recharge, and then join us early on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. 9 a.m. sharp Central Standard Time. Uh, we go into worship with, with Pastor Kristen in Elder Valley. Uh, if you haven't liked our page yet, make sure you do that because that's where she comes on. It gets shared to other platforms, but if you want the notifications, you need to like our page. When she's done, then you get me, you get Pastor Sean, or maybe you get both of us uh, for our online Sunday celebration. It happens at 9.30 a.m. We started a new series on Sunday. I'm going to talk about that a little bit. So if you missed last Sunday, you need to 
go to the, that podcast. You need to listen to that teaching uh, so that you don't end up finding out you are behind in what we're teaching, right? Because you want to be right there with us. You want to be moving along with us. So join us on Sundays at 930. And then don't forget that on Sunday, July 31st at 11 a.m., we will have our next in-person service. We call it the huddle because we are champions. And when the champions get together, that's what we do. And so we're going to huddle on Sunday, July 31st at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time in our Fedville location. So if you have not made plans to be there, it's not too late. You can do it right now. You still have almost a whole month uh, to plan for that. So make sure you do that. And then I also want to just remind you that on Friday, uh, we will start our annual scholarship drive. I'll talk a little bit about that at the end, but I just want to remind you uh, that that is, that is a project that is very near and dear to my heart. And so I'm asking each of you to think about and ask the Lord how you can be a blessing uh, to bless the annual scholarship drive, because it's going to be something that we do uh, to bless students so that they can go to college, get to and through college with the least amount of debt or no debt uh, as possible. OK, now, since we got those announcements out of the way, I want us to jump into the teaching. I'm going to pray when I get through, then we can jump right into tonight's teaching and then I can get you out of here. OK, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity to come uh, together on Wednesday night to share in your word. We thank you that every time we hear your word, uh, that we grow and we become a better representation of you in the earth. We ask that you would touch our ears, that you would touch our hearts, and that everything that is said and done tonight would be done in such a way that it gives you full glory, that it gives you uh, full attention. We ask that the word of God that we receive uh, would be applied to our lives, that it may be applied through our lives. We want to be a representation for you in the earth so that we can compel and draw people to come into your kingdom. We ask you to bless us to be able to do that. We believe we receive it in Jesus' name, and we thank you in advance for all that you've done, for all that you will do, and for everything that we have and everything that we need, you've already provided. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. If you are here tonight and you are ready, I need you to do one thing for me. Type in the comment section, I am anointed to learn. Go ahead and type that in the comment section. I am anointed to learn. All right. So we're going to get started. And what I want to do is take a few minutes and I want to recap a little bit about what Pastor Sean and I were talking about uh, on Sunday. For those of you that joined Pastor Sean and I last Sunday, uh, or for those of you who may have caught the replay and you, you, you've caught up now, you will recall that we started a new teaching series and that teaching series was entitled A Lifestyle of Righteousness, A Lifestyle of Righteousness. And it is important that you understand that when we begin to talk about this lifestyle of righteousness, we are not talking uh, about this so that we can uh, try to put restrictions on you so that we can uh, become hard taskmasters uh, over your life. But we believe that there is a standard in which God has called us to. And if you look around, you'll find out that the church in some ways is slipping away from that. And so we wanted to uh, redirect our attention uh, to the very things that we know and we believe that God has called us to. And so we started with this new series entitled A Lifestyle of Righteousness. And so we began that teaching 
with a very familiar text from the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 33. And it's very familiar, but I want us to take a moment to just look at it. And here's what it says. It says in Matthew 6, 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added to you. Now, notice the language here. Seek first. The first thing you need to do is to seek out the kingdom of God. And, and because the word and is there is a conjunction, it means it's two things. You're not just seeking his kingdom. You're not just seeking the treasures of the kingdom, but you're seeking the kingdom and the righteousness that's connected to that kingdom. He says, and if you do that, then all things, everything you need, will be added unto you. Notice he didn't say you had to go out and make your own way. He didn't say you had to go out and forge your own path. He says, no, the first thing you need to do is to seek the kingdom and his righteousness. Then our focus on Sunday really turned to two key words, right? It was the word seek and it was the word righteousness. It was the word seek and it was the word righteousness. We established that the biblical meaning of the word seek meant this. It meant to, to go in search of, to look for, or to search for by going from place to place. Now that's important because he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. What does it mean to seek? It means to go in search of. That means it's my responsibility to look and to find the kingdom and to look and to find his righteousness. It's my job to look for it it's my job to search for it by going from place to place. It also means to crave and to demand something. So when I am searching for the kingdom or I'm looking for the kingdom, that is not some passive uh, position. It's an active position. I'm looking for the kingdom. I'm looking or seeking for righteousness. So then we went from the word seek to the word righteousness. What is righteousness? It means acting in accordance to divine law. Now let's put those two things together. I'm supposed to be seeking. I'm supposed to be searching after. I'm supposed to be looking for, or I'm supposed to be going from place to place, craving or demanding uh, according to divine law. That's what I'm supposed to be looking for, divine law. Every kingdom has rules. Every kingdom has a way of operating. And so when we talk about the kingdom of God, when we talk about seeking the kingdom of God, when we talk about going after its righteousness, there is a divine law established in that kingdom. We said that the divine law of the kingdom of God is love. Somebody type that in the comment section. Say the divine law of the kingdom is love. The divine law of the kingdom is love. You need to know what that divine law is because you need to know what you're searching after. He then goes on to say this. We were talking last Sunday and we said that the creator, uh, right, uh, and the king of a kingdom in this particular case is also love. If, if the kingdom is of love, and then the king, the creator or the ruler of that kingdom is also of love, then love must be important in the kingdom. Therefore, we are to seek righteousness. And we say, well, what is righteousness? It's according to divine law. What is the divine law of the kingdom? It is operating in love. And that's important for us to keep in mind because what we're going to find out tonight is that when we talk about love, love is just not some little 
um, feeling that we get in the pit of our stomach that makes us all giggly and wiggly. No, no, no. Love is a force. It's a power force. In fact, it's so forceful that the Lord reminded us in our guiding word for 2022 not to walk out of it. If you think about it, he said, don't be in a fear. Don't be in panic. And whatever you do, don't walk out of love. Why? Because he knows there's a power force uh, in this thing we call love. We know that every kingdom has a ruler. Every kingdom has a ruler and every ruler has established protocols for the way things are to operate and function in that particular kingdom. Think about it like this. In your house, in everybody's house, they do things a certain way. Can you imagine if somebody came into your house and decided to rearrange your cupboards? If someone came into your house and refolded your towels in a different way than you fold your towels. If somebody came into your house and you said, hey, at my house, we don't wear shoes in our house. But they walked in and you said that and they just kept walking in with their shoes. You would be offended because they have violated the rules of the kingdom where you are the ruler. And so you got to think about that in terms of if we are supposed to be a part of God's kingdom, then we need to seek out that kingdom so we know what the established rules, policies, practice, and the system of his kingdom is. Therefore, the kingdom of God also has a system. The kingdom of God also has a way of working. The kingdom of God also has a way that things work, and the king of that kingdom has an expectation that with acceptance into his kingdom, we will abide by his instructions. Now, how many of you know that we say we are children of God? We say we are in the kingdom of God. We're soldiers in the army of God. Well, whether you are a soldier in the army or whether you are subject in a kingdom, both of those require you to, to, number one, understand the rules of that kingdom, and number two, to follow the rules of that kingdom. Go ahead and put this in the comments. Say, as a citizen, of the kingdom of God, I'll follow his rules. As a citizen of the kingdom of God, I follow his rules. Why do I follow his rules? Because I am subject to the authority of the king. And if you don't become subject to the authority of the king, you really have to ask yourself, are you really part of the kingdom? And this right here, sadly, is the part that many churches and many believers doing this dispensation are willfully neglecting during this season. We want we want the benefits of the kingdom, but yet we don't want to abide by the rules of the kingdom. We want all the pleasures of the kingdom, but we don't want to have to be subject to the ways of the kingdom. And so last week when we started talking about living this lifestyle of righteousness, we were trying to get you to understand and equate that, that if you're going to receive the benefits of righteousness, that, that there are some there are some preconditions, there are some precursors, there are some prerequisites that have to exist in order for you to reap the benefits of that righteousness. Here's the thing we must understand, the instruction that we've been given by the king to seek the kingdom and his righteousness first indicates to us that the kingdom and his righteousness is probably not seen openly. If I have to seek for something, that means it's probably not visible to me easily. 
The reason it's not visible to most of us is because our eyes uh, have scales on them because we've lived in a world that has been contrary to the kingdom we've now been uh, invited into. It would be like if you left your house today and you got on a plane and you went to another country. Let's say you went to Italy. Uh, let's say you went to France. Let's say you went to Southeast Asia. If you went to any one of those places, number one, you probably don't know how to speak the language. Number two, you may be ignorant of certain customs, right? You may go to India, and if you're left-handed and you stick out your hand to shake hands with someone, that could be seen as being offensive because they don't use their left hand uh, for, for anything that, that's communal. You don't shake hands. You don't eat with your left hand in, 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 in some places in Southeast Asia. If you don't know the culture, then you end up looking contrary to the kingdom. And here's the problem. God has invited all of us into the kingdom, and some of us have accepted that invitation, but because we haven't taken time to learn what we're supposed to be doing in the kingdom, then we look like we're out of place even though we're in the kingdom. And what this teaching is designed to do is to help us understand what the rules and the customs and expectations are around living in this kingdom that's predicated on righteousness. Understand this, in finding the kingdom and finding its righteousness, we must, re we must seek it out. Remember, we have to go uh, in search of it. We have to look for it. We have to uh, search by going place to place, and we have to crave it and demand it. Now, to be clear here, we are not talking about being righteous because of our works. And I have to always say that when I teach. I know that it's one of those things where it can be implied, but I like to say it out loud. I like to say the quiet part out loud. We are not talking about works. You cannot work your way into heaven. You can't be good enough to get to heaven. You can't give enough. You can't pray enough. You can't fast enough. None of your best. When we talk about our best being as filthy rags, that's what we mean. No matter how good it is in comparison to what it would take to get you into the kingdom, you would never qualify. We had to have someone to come and to qualify us. But now that we have been qualified, we can say boldly that we are the righteousness of God. Why? Through Christ Jesus. Okay. So this is not about works. This is not about, okay, Pastor Edwin's teaching this message, telling me that I need to stop doing this and stop doing that and stop doing that and stop doing that. I need to start doing this and start doing this and start doing this and start doing this. No, no, no. What I'm saying to you is you have, you beloved have an invitation to come into the kingdom. If you will accept that invitation into the kingdom, then once you have done that, you need to learn how to live according to the kingdom. Why? Because you need to understand the culture of the kingdom. You need to be able to seek it out. You need to be able to find it. You need to know how uh, its system works. You need to know the process. You need to know the, the, the policies and the procedures of the kingdom so that you can reap the benefits that are part of the kingdom. Here's what the Bible says for us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. It says that he, he being God, has made him, Jesus Christ, to be sin for us. Okay? We didn't do nothing. No works did we do to get into the kingdom. It says he, God, hath made him, Jesus Christ, to be sin for us 
who knew no sin. He knew no sin, but he made Jesus sin. Why? So that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So here's what I need you to type in the comment section. Say, I am made righteous. I am made righteous. And the reason that's important for you to understand that you've been made righteous is that you then understand that you're not having to keep some set of rules to be righteous. But don't get it twisted. There are rules to righteousness. <laughs> And that's the thing that we're going to keep talking about over the next several weeks because we don't want you to miss this because in this dispensation that we live in, we've got all kinds of people across all different denominations now trying to infuse what they think is okay when the Bible clearly says it isn't. And they're trying to gradually throw in this thing and throw in this thing and throw in this thing. And one of the biggest issues that we have is this idea that if we want to do it, God has to be okay with it. But that's not how it works in the kingdom. I had an opportunity over the last month to visit Dubai twice. In each of those times that I got a chance to visit the country of du the, 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 the Emirate of Dubai in the UAE, what I realized is that there are certain rules there. That, are, that don't even exist in America. They, they're not the same rules. Uh, and as a result, it functions different. And so it doesn't matter that I'm an American citizen. When I'm in the UAE, I am still subject to the rules of the UAE. I can't take my arrogant American self over to another country and act like I could here and expect to receive the same uh, benefits or outcomes that I would receive in America. And so the same thing is true. When I was in the kingdom of darkness, there were benefits and, and rewards or whatever you want to call it that was a part of that kingdom. But it apparently wasn't good enough because I decided to leave it, right? <laughs> and we've all been there. We've all been in the kingdom of darkness at some point and decided this ain't, this ain't for me. I need God in my life. So when I change the kingdom, then I need to understand that I'm now operating under a different set of rules, Okay. So again, we do not work to be righteous. We have been made righteous by Jesus Christ. As a result of his uh, as a result of this new birth experience whereby we were made righteous, we therefore ought to live righteous. Okay? We ought to live righteous. Type this in the comment section. Say if I'm righteous, I should live righteous. If I'm righteous, I should live righteous. This is so important because people believe for whatever reason that they can come to God, be rescued by God, and then still choose to live any kind of way they want to. And that's just not true. And I know that I had the benefit, as my wife says, of growing up in the church of God in Christ, where they had a lot of rules about holiness and about living a certain way. And, and while some of those things were rooted in fear and some of those things were, 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 were rooted um, in, 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 in some, some forms of, of, of almost like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, kind of this methodical kind of uh, way that you have to live. You can't do this. You can't do this. You can't. Do this. Listen, it, 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 there are some truth to it. Right. And the Bible bears it out. And we're going to see that uh, here in just a little bit. But we are, if we're going to be righteous, then we must live righteous. 
And we are able to live righteous, not on our own, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit empowers me to live righteous. I have the power. You have the power to live righteous. You don't have to think, well, I can't do that. I can't, I can't get it right all the time. Listen, no one's asked you to get it right all the time, but what we're asking you to do is to get it right the next time. I love the movie Frozen 2. And in Frozen 2, uh, there's a scene where, where, where one of the girls didn't know what to do. I don't know if it was Elsa or her sister. I don't remember. But she was like, what? she asked, I believe it was the, the little toad who came out. And she asked him, what was she supposed to do? And, and the answer was the next right thing. When it comes to living for God, don't focus on what you got to do next month. Don't focus on trying to get it right uh, two weeks from now. Get it right the next time. And then you get it right the next time and the next time and the next time and the next time and the next time. And before you know it, it becomes habit for you to get it right every time. Amen. And see, let me tell you, I know you can do it because when we lived under the power of our old father, right, the prince of the air, we got it wrong every time. We were able to live fearlessly, unrighteously. We were able to live fearlessly, unrighteously, not by the power of the Holy Spirit, but by the power of a devil who lived in us. In fact, the Bible bears this out in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 2. When you look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 2, here's what it says. It says, and you, that's me and you, it says, has he quickened? who were dead in trespasses and sin. That was us. That's how we were living. He says, wherein in times past, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. So he said, there was one time a spirit that worked in you to help you live unrighteous. He says, so just like that spirit helped you live unrighteous, there's now a different spirit, the Holy Spirit, who can help you live righteous. Type this in the comment section. Say, I am not without help. I am not without help. I can live righteous because there is the Holy Spirit that allows me to be righteous. The Bible further confirms this in Romans 12, 1 and 2. In Romans 12, 1 and 2 in the New Living Translation, it says this. It says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you right? We're still talking about this lifestyle of righteousness. He says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them, your bodies, be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. It says, this is truly the way to worship and honor him. How do we honor and worship God? He says, by giving your body to righteous living. He says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. How is he going to do that? By changing the way that you think. It says, then you will learn to know God's will. Then you will learn the kingdom. When God changes your thinking, when you lay down your life and say, Father, I am subjugated to you. I want to live for you. It says, then you will learn the rules, the processes and benefits of the kingdom. It says, then you will learn to know God's will for your life. And what you'll find out is that it is good. It is pleasing and it is perfect. Watch this in every way. 
in every way. You don't, you won't want to run from the kingdom. You won't want to try to find another way. You won't try to find a way to short, short, short uh, circuit what it is that God has asked you to do. Why? Because you'll understand that when you learn to know God's will, that when you understand the kingdom, when you seek his kingdom and his righteousness, you will understand that it becomes pleasing. It becomes good and perfect in every way for your life. Amen. So tonight, what I want to do is I want to extend that teaching. Okay, that was our recap from from Sunday, but I want to extend that teaching and I want to extend that teaching because I want us to take a look in the book of Jude tonight. So if, if you want to know where the scripture is going to come from, it's going to come from the from the book of Jude. And we're going to talk about what it means to contend for the faith. What does it mean to contend for the faith? Because I hear people say that sometimes. And a lot of times what we're talking about is we're talking about believing for a car. But let me let me help you. Contending for the faith is not believing for a car. Or we'll talk about contending for the faith and we'll even talk about standing in agreement for someone's healing. But that's not actually contending for the faith. We have made those things synonymous with contending for the faith. But contending for the faith, and we're going to look at this tonight, has everything to do about a lifestyle of righteousness. And I'm going to prove it to you. In Jude, it tells us that we want to understand what it means to give our bodies to God, okay? It's going to tell us what it means about how do we copy the behavior and the customs of this world. And ultimately, how do we let God transform us into this new person uh, that we're supposed to be? In Jude, uh, when you look at it, we first must understand uh, the epistle of Jude was written to a group of Jewish Christians, okay? It was written to a group of Jewish Christians. In the opening passages, the author of Jude explains that he had initially intended to write a general letter of encouragement on the topic of the salvation that we share, okay? Let's, let's look at Jude 1 through 3. Here's what he says. Dear friends, and if, you have, if you're not familiar with Jude, then you need to write it down. You can go back and read it. It says, dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, right? And then he goes on to say this, I felt compelled to write and urge you to do what? Contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. He says, look, what I was going to do when I sat down to write this letter, it was like I was going to write to you and I was going to write to you just about in general, the salvation that we share and how great it was. He says, but then I got this unction. Okay. I got this unction that I needed to write to you. And then I needed to tell you guys that you need to contend for the faith. And you need to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to all of God's holy people. In the opening passage, he writes this, and Jude explains in chapter 1 through 3 that he felt compelled to write this to urge those believers to contend for their faith. Why did Jude do this? Jude was concerned because, watch this, and I'll put it in air quotes, the faith that he's talking about here the Christian message of the gospel was under attack from false teachers who were spreading dangerous heresies, 
What are heresies? Heresies are just dissent or deviation from a dominant theory, opinion, or practice. They says you guys have been instructed in what it means to understand salvation and righteousness. He says, you've been instructed in this. He says, but I felt compelled to write this to you. He says, because I feel like I got an unction that there are some individuals who are coming to try to teach you something contrary than what you've been entrusted with, okay? It says, Jude urges his readers to contend for the faith against those who sought to undermine and erode the teachings that they had received. Now, don't, don't, don't lose this because I need you to catch a picture here because we're still talking about what it means to be righteous. See, holiness is not new. This idea that we ought to live like something is not new. <laughs> this, this, this idea that God has a standard, that God has a way, this ain't new. You know, this, is, this, is, this has always been the issue. And what Jude is saying is, hey, I need you guys to contend for the faith. They weren't believing for no cars back then. They weren't believing for no planes back then. They weren't believing for new buses and new, 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 new places to vacation. He says, I need you to contend for this faith. And we're going to talk about what this faith is. So Jude goes on and he begins to talk. And he, he chooses a, a word. And the word that he uses is actually translated in, in this way, it means to contend earnestly, to contend earnestly. And when we think about the word contend, the word contend means to fight for. It means to put up effort for. Uh, and, and he this word that he uses here is typically used to describe an athlete who is striving with great intensity in order to win a victory in order to win some physical competition. And how many of you know that when you are uh, involved in a sport, in order for you to win that sport, whatever the sport is, you got to exert some energy. You got to exert some force. You got to be intentional. And he says, I need you to be like an athlete. He says, I need you to, to get out there and to perform when it comes to contending for the faith. He says, which, and, and he says, the Amplified Bible actually translates the word like this. It means to fight strenuously for the defense of the faith. So Jude, in essence, said it like this. He says, listen, I know that you guys know what you have been told about the kingdom of God. He says, and I got an unction that somebody's trying to convince you of something different. He says, but what I need you to do is act like you fighting for your life. He says, and I need you to contend for this faith. In other words, I need you to fight for it. In the same way, if you've ever played a game, we used to play this game called Man on the Hill. And it was a small hill you would get over and, and people would be all around you. And as boys, somebody would run up on the hill and have to try to push you off the hill. And you had to have your head on a swivel. And when somebody ran up, you had to push them down. Because if somebody got up there and they pushed you off, you weren't the king of the hill anymore. He says, I need you to stand on this hill. And every time they come and they tell you that a little fornication is okay, I need you to push them off that hill. 
He says, every time they come and they tell you that it's okay for you to shack up with somebody, he says, I need you to push them off that hill. Every time they come in and they tell you the same-sex marriage is okay, he says, I need you to push them off that hill. He says, every time they come in and they tell you that it's okay for you to cuss a little, even though you love Jesus, I need you to push them off that hill. I need you to contend for the faith. Mm. <laughs> Why? He says, because there are people coming who want to dilute the message of the gospel. Because if the message of the gospel gets diluted, then it won't have the power to save. He said, if it doesn't have the power to save, then the word becomes worthless. Listen, I'm preaching better than y'all saying amen right now. Hear me when I tell you that you are to be contending for this faith. But if you don't know about the kingdom, if you don't know the rules of the kingdom, then whatever you like, you will think the kingdom likes. I'm going to pause on that. I'm just going to pause. I'm going to let the video, I'm going to let the whole video catch up. Whatever you like, you will think the kingdom likes because you don't understand the original foundation of the kingdom. Oh, Jesus. Jude wanted all believers to contend earnestly for the faith because he understood that a true contender is always endeavoring to win the competition, not holding anything back. As believers, we ought not be accepting of everything just because society says it's okay. Society has a moving target of morality. What, what is moral today was not moral 50 years ago. What is moral today won't be moral 50 years from now. But what is still the standard is the kingdom of God. He says, I am the Lord God and I change not. Now, understand, you don't have to hate folk who, who operate outside of, of what's right in the kingdom. In fact, we're supposed to love them enough to tell them what the kingdom is. If they get upset, that's on them. Our job is to make sure that we're loving them enough that we're praying for them, that their eyes would be open, as the Apostle Paul says, and that they would, they would be flooded with light. So why? So they can realize what is the true way of the kingdom and then make a decision to go that way. In this case, when he's talking about to struggle or endeavor or contend for the faith, he's not talking about your faith. No, no, no. He's not talking about your ability to believe when he talks about contending for the faith, he's talking about contending for that saving faith that only comes through the truth of Jesus Christ's word. He says, I'm not talking about, because if, if you read this, there's no way you can get it confused. He's not talking to them about believing for healing. If you read the context of this, he's not talking about them believing for a car or a house or a spouse. No, he's talking about contending for the truth of this message so that throughout time it does not get diluted and made into something else. He says, I need you to contend for the faith, which is the saving faith of Jesus Christ and his original teachings. Again, if you remember last Sunday, as we were near the end of our teaching, Pastor Shun and I began to talk about two different kinds of faith. We started talking about saving faith which is necessary. And then we also started talking about forsaking faith. 
Forsaking faith is the faith you need to trust God enough to believe God for whatever he has said for you. But saving faith is what mankind needs in order to be drawn into the kingdom of God. And what the church has done is spent a lot of time in some ways talking about forsaking faith in some ways while we allow this idea of saving faith to be diluted. Well, Pastor Edwin, how can you say that? Well, we see this throughout scripture. If you look at 2 Corinthians 11, 3 through 4, if you look at 1 Thessalonians 2 through 13, and if you look at Hebrews 1 through 2, you will see that in all of these three scriptures that we are encouraged not to allow anything else to creep into our lives and cause us to deviate from the gospel message that we first heard. What is the gospel message that we first heard? That the only way to the Father is through who? Jesus Christ. The first gospel message is that what we heard. Now you got folks talking about there's multiple ways. And I ain't talking about people who don't say, I'm talking about folks who say they saved. They say they born again. But now because their friend didn't accept Jesus, they don't want to think about their friend going to hell. And so now they say, well, my friend found Jesus in crystals. No, he didn't. No, they didn't. They ain't, they ain't find Jesus in the rocks because that ain't where he is. Well, my friend said that they found Jesus in, 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 in cannabis. No, they didn't. They just got high. They didn't find Jesus. They just, got, they just got high. They got lit. But they didn't find Jesus in that. There's only one way to the Father, and that is through Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us that. And if we don't stick to that and we don't stick to those kind of messages, then we allow ourselves to have our saving faith to be diluted, and then the people who need it will not be able to receive the power of their own. Understand something. Since Jude declared that this faith was entrusted to God's holy people, then that means all believers, not just church leadership, but all believers are called to defend the truth. That means whether you are a lay person and you don't volunteer at all, or whether you a person and you volunteer for everything, or whether you're the leader of an organization or auxiliary, or whether you're the pastor or the bishop or the head of the organization, we are all called to the defense of this faith, but you can't defend what you don't know. And that is the reason that you get people like the black Hebrew Israelites who can talk you out of Jesus Christ being the only way, because they know they stuff, but you don't know yours. And that's why you need to study and become mature in the things of God so that someone can convince you that a little fornication is okay. That they can't convince you that a little weed every now and then is okay. No, God has called us to a standard of living. And let me just get off the weed and that kind of stuff. You can't just be lying all the time. You can't just be gossiping all the time. You can't just have a bad attitude all the time. Why? Because those things are antithetical to the kingdom of God. And since this faith has been entrusted to all of us, Jude's intent was for us to stand against those who claim to receive, watch this, new revelations of truth that go against the original gospel message. You have to be careful in who you talk to and who you deal with. So well, I got this new revelation and God told me X, Y, and Z. Well, is X, Y, and Z in the Bible? Does X, Y, and Z go along with what Holy Spirit would do? 
because 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 you know this this idea that that God wants me to be transparent, He wants me to love Him, but He also wants me to be a little ratchet. I don't find that in the Word nowhere. I don't find that in the Word nowhere. That is you with your new revelation trying to add to the original gospel message. And Jude says, "Be careful of those who do that." Somebody says, "Well, Pastor Edwin, I just don't know if that's true or not." Hang on, I'll show it to you. Understand this, through Christ's personal teachings and the work of the Holy Spirit, Jesus revealed the true gospel message. If you want to know if it's right or not, ask Holy Spirit. You know why most people don't ask Holy Spirit? Because they don't really want to know what he thinks. They want to go with what they want to do in the first place. So they don't, they, oh, well, well, it don't take all that. No, it actually takes all of that in order for you not to allow the leaven into your life. What is the leaven into your life? The Bible says it like this. A little leaven levieth the whole lump. I like it when it says it like this in the New English translation. It says a little yeast in the dough makes the whole cake rise. So you ain't got to put a lot of yeast in the dough. Just a little bit will make the whole thing rise. See, you don't need to get every wicked belief into your system. You just need to get a couple of them in there and it'll ruin the whole thing. In the same way that you can take a rotten apple, and if you take a rotten apple and you stick that rotten apple in an entire barrel of apples and you leave it there, that one rotten apple will cause the whole barrel to be rotten. In the same way that if you had an eight-ounce glass of water and I dropped one little small drop of sewage water in it, just a little drop, it would dilute the entire thing of water and you wouldn't drink it. Well, if that is true in the natural, it is also true in your heart. It's also true in your spirit. You think it's cool because you let one or two little things creep into your heart. You think it's cool that you do a couple things now that you used to didn't do when you first got saved. You need to contend for this faith. You need to contend for it. You need to fight for it. You need to strive for it. The Bible says in John chapter 14, verse 26, it says, but the comforter, praise God, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. He shall come and teach you what? All things and bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I have said unto you. He says, whatsoever I've said unto you, Holy Spirit's gonna bring it to your remembrance. John 16, 12 through 13. It says, I have yet many things to say unto you. He says, but you cannot bear them now. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, that's the Holy Spirit has come. And how many of you know he's already come? It says he will guide you into all truth. If I need to know whether something is truth or not, I ain't got to ask 10 people. I ain't got to even ask myself because myself will lead me wrong if I'm not careful. He says, no, bring it before Holy Spirit, for he shall not even speak of himself. Even the Holy Spirit doesn't speak of himself. It says, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. Who is he going to hear it from? God the Father. It says, and then he will show you things to come. Somebody ought to give God some praise. Listen, you don't have to try to worry about whether you know what's true or not about the kingdom. All you got to do is rely on two things, your written word and the logos, the, the logos word and the rhema word of Holy Spirit. He says he will guide you into truth. Paul gives us a similar warning. Why am I preaching about this? Because I want to get you to the place where you understand that when we start talking about holiness, when we start talking about living right, we ain't trying to be old school. We're trying to stick to the original message. 
Paul gives us a similar warning not to let anyone, watch this, pervert the gospel of Christ. Now, everybody know what that word pervert is. We all know what a pervert is, right? A pervert is somebody weird. They do something contrary to, to custom. They do something that's, that's, that's outside the norm. And Paul says to us, don't let anyone come and pervert this gospel of Christ with a new and different teaching. Let's look at Galatians or Galatians chapter one, verse six through nine. Now let's just, just let's read it for a second. Let's just look at it on the screen. Let's just read it. He says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are now turning to a different gospel. Now, why, who is he talking to? He's talking to the Galatians who, who, who are starting to do all of this wicked stuff that was contrary to what they had learned. He says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. He says, not that there is another gospel. <laughs> he says, don't get it twisted. It's not another one. You turn into something, but it's not another one. He says, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. He says, but even if we or an angel from heaven, praise God, should preach to you a gospel that is contrary to the one we preach to you, he said, let me and the angel be accursed. He said, because if he said, when I say anybody, I mean anybody. He said, if I teach a different gospel to you, if an angel from heaven came down and taught you a different one, he says, first of all, no, ain't no different gospel. He said, ain't but one, and it's the one you received of Jesus Christ. He says, but even if we taught you a different one, he said, let me be accursed and let the angel be accursed. He says, as we have said before, so now I say it again. If anyone is preaching to you a gospel that is contrary to the one you receive, let him be accursed. He says, I don't care about your title. I don't care about your position. I don't care how big your church is. I don't care how much money you bring in. I don't care about your influence. I don't care if you're on the cover of Time magazine. If you preach a gospel different than the one that Jesus Christ delivered through those apostles, he says, I don't care if an angel from heaven brought it to you. Let him be accursed. He says, I don't care if your mama said it. I don't care if your daddy said it. Listen, I don't care if the man you reverence say it. If the woman you reverence says it, he says, let them be accursed. Oh, glory to God. Jew goes on to tell us, watch this. He says, there are two basic false teachings and this ain't new. Now, Jude wrote this a long time ago. He said, but there are two basic false teachings. He says, and honestly, if you think about it, we still see both of them today. Jude contends in chapter one, verse four. It says, for certain individuals whose condemnation was written about a long time ago, he says, those individuals have secretly slipped in among you. He says, they are ungodly folk who pervert, watch this, the grace of God into a license for immorality. They done slipped in among you and they, they done preached you a message about God's grace and God's love, but they left out holiness in the message. 
They led you to believe that whatever you want to do, whenever you want to do it, it's fine. God loves you. If, if, if you're doing it, God made you like that. He says they, they are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into a license for immorality. Watch this. And they deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. He says it is impossible to preach another gospel, to preach something contrary to what God says, and then somehow think that you are not, watch this, denying Jesus Christ of who he really is, our sovereign Lord. He says they are ungodly people, and what they do is they seek to pervert the grace of our God. Why? This is why when people talk about grace, I always say, but the Bible says, did grace abound so that sin does much more abound? He says, God forbid, no. The reason we have grace is so that when we miss it, we can get back on track. We don't have grace to miss it. <laughs> Praise God. We don't have grace to miss it. We have the grace that if we miss it, we get back on track because there's a standard in the kingdom. All right. You don't like that? Let's look at the message translation because I want you to see this in the message translation. It says, what has happened? He says, is that some people have infiltrated our ranks. They're like snakes. Our scriptures have warned us of this and told us that it would happen. Who breathe their pious skin, who beneath their pious skin are shameless scoundrels. Their design is to replace, watch this, the sheer grace of God with a sheer license, which means doing away with Jesus Christ and our one and only master. He says their whole design is to preach a gospel so that they can really remove Jesus from the equation. They don't want to say it to you. Oh, God. Oh, God. They don't want to say it to you because if they told you they was trying to remove Jesus out of the equation, you wouldn't listen to them. So what they do is they come and they they they, they become sympathetic to the things you do that are contrary to God's word. Oh, it's OK for you to do X. It's OK for you to do Y. It's okay for you to do Z. And then before you know it, now you have been lulled away from the grace of God. And now what was designed to get you back on track, God's grace, you now use it as a license to continue on sinning. But that is why the Bible tells us that these are vile men. Look at the voice translation. It said, these are vile men that have slithered in among us. Look at the language. It's, 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 it's a metaphor for the snake. What happened with Adam and Eve? The Bible says it was a serpent that came. And he, he came in real smooth-like. And what did he tell Eve? He said, girl, going to eat that fruit. She said, no, the Lord said not to do that. He said, ah, I figured he told you that. Well, what do you mean by that, Mr. 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 Serpent? He says, oh, well, God just understood that if you were to eat that, that you would be just like him. She says, oh. Okay, well, I want to. I love God. I want to be like God, so I'm gonna eat the apple. How are you trying to be like God by being disobedient to God? I ain't talking about Eve. I'm talking about you. How do you say you love God 
How, how you say you want to you want to be like, like the you want to be a, 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 a person in the kingdom for God, but yet you do everything antithetical to God? He says, they're vile men. They're slithering among us. Depraved souls is what they are, who stand condemned, having made a mockery of the grace given to us, using it as a pretext. Watch this. For a life of what? Excess. Whatever I want to do. God says, no, you don't do that. God puts restraints. No, forget you, God. I'm doing what I want to do. Your grace is sufficient. You will forgive me. They're using it as a pretext for a life of excess. Live without any thought of God. The, the Bible says these poor fools, look at the language. These poor fools have denied Jesus, the anointed one, our Lord and our master. You got to make sure that you are understanding what I'm saying. When I'm talking about contending for the faith, I'm talking about not letting something come inside of you to agree with something that you know ain't right. I say to my wife all the time, and we say it to each other all the time, I don't care if I do it. If the Bible say it's wrong, it's wrong, period. I might be in the midst of doing it. I'm wrong. I will never allow myself to get to a place where I justify what I do that is contrary to the word. Because the moment that you do, you have stopped contending for the faith. Because now you become those vile men who is perverting the grace of God, allowing it to be a pretext or a license for a life of immorality. Understand in all of these translations we just read, we see that Jude opposes those false teachers in their sanctioning of immoral behavior. So this idea that, yes, we are made righteous, but we ought to have some kind of moral behavior with that righteousness. They're not contrary to one another. These false teachers were basically, was basically sanctioning immoral behavior. And he says, you be careful. They slither in among you. He said, and because they slithered in among you, he says, they're trying to convince you to walk away from Jesus and the teachings that you know you've been entrusted to. So the faith entrusted to God's holy people for which they must contend is grounded in Jesus Christ. What are we fighting for? We're fighting for that idea that Jesus says there's a way to do it and we're not going to deviate from it. Jesus is our Messiah. Jesus is the son of the living God. He is Emmanuel. He is God is with us. He is the word of God. He is the word made flesh. And this faith that Jude speaks of, the faith that we're speaking about tonight is expressed through holy living to which all believers have been called. You want to talk about your faith? You want to express your faith? Live holy. Live holy. See, holiness is not a denomination. Holiness is about your commitment to kingdom principles. How do I know? Because look at what the Bible says in Leviticus 20 and 7. We're talking Old Testament here. It says, consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be what? Holy. He says, concentrate yourselves, Therefore, and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. That's what God told them before they ever, before Jesus ever showed up on the scene. And then look at 1 Peter 1.16. 1 Peter 1.16 is one of those scriptures that is so true, you can read it forward or backwards. Let me show you. It says, 
you shall be holy for I am holy. Now read it in reverse. Holy am I for holy be you or for holy shall ye be. So he says, I don't care whether you're looking at it forward or backwards. Holiness is a position. Holiness is something you need to be doing. And then look at Romans 6, 1 through 14. I'm not going to read it all. I just want it on the screen so you'll write it down. Go read Romans 6, 1 through 14 tonight. When you finish this, Bible study ain't over till you finish reading this. Read Romans 6, 1 through 14. Because, because, because it says it, it says it like this. It just it's so it's it's so much. I'm not gonna read it. I'm gonna force myself not to read it. But but the first the first verse just says, What shall we say then? <laughs> and then it goes through a whole litany of things about what it means to be holy and why you should be that way. All right. Then it says, There are so many verses though in the New Testament that reinforce Jews' call to contend for the faith. Paul charges Timothy. In 1 Timothy 6, 11, 21, he says, fight the good fight of faith. Why did he tell Timothy that? Because he wanted him to contend for the faith. And then he goes on to say, uh, the apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. He says, run in such a way as to get the prize. Remember, he was telling him to contend, contend for the faith. Then Paul writes to the Philippian church and Paul writes to them and he says this. He says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Conduct yourselves. That's a way of behaving. He says, then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, he says, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. He says, listen, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. Look, go ahead and type in the comment section. Say you got to live like something. So you get, you got to live like something. You got to live like something. Paul says, listen, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner that's worthy. He says, so that way, whether I come to you or whether I never come to you, you're, you're living like you know you're supposed to live. Now, you guys know this is a teaching ministry, right? And so because this is a teaching ministry, then we have to understand there are some practical things that must be done if we're going to contend for the faith. Here's the question. What does it even mean? What does it mean to contend for the faith? Well, fortunately for us, we don't have to guess. The book of Jude sets out several, uh, several disciplines showing us how to contend for the faith. I want to discuss four of them with you, and then I'm going to be out your way. Okay, I'm going to discuss four of them. I'll be out your way. Let's look at Jude 1 through 20. It says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. These are the first two things you must do if you want to contend for the faith. Number one, build yourself up in the faith. Not in faith, but in the faith. What is the faith? Understanding the original gospel message. As maturing believers, we are to keep pressing ourselves to always be growing spiritually. A huge part of spiritual development involves reading and studying God's word so that we know and understand it. I can't tell you the number of illiterate biblical believers. Let me say that again. 
I can't tell you how many illiterate biblical believers we have. Not that they can't read, but they don't read in a way that they can study and know what God's word said. And because they don't know what God's word actually says, they may know some Bible stories. They may know some cute uh, things that the pastor done said that, that link something together. But they themselves don't know this word, line upon line and precept upon precept. But the Bible says all of us are called to contend for this faith. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 2.15, it says, do your best to present yourself to God as one that is approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who currently handles, correctly handles the word of truth. Well, how do you correctly handle the word of truth if you don't know what truth is? So you got to find out what is true. What does God's, God's word say? Then it says in 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, it says, uh, the inspired word of God has the power to teach, train, rebuke, and correct us in righteousness so that as God's servants, we are wholly equipped for every good work. We are equipped for every good work. That means every time someone has an answer, we are prepared to give that answer because we have studied, we understand, we have, we're ready to teach, we're ready to train, we're ready to rebuke, and we're ready to correct this thing called the faith. He says, so the first thing we must do is first build ourselves up. We must learn the word, right? Once we learn the word, now we can help other people learn the word. The second thing he says we must do is we must pray in the Holy Spirit. Remember, we had four commitments this year. One of them was to spend time an hour a day praying in the Holy Spirit. Do you see how God set us up for this? Here it is almost six months into the year and God is still showing us pieces of, of the guiding word that he gave us uh, back in January. He says, pray in the Holy Spirit. By praying under the direction of the Holy Spirit, we receive help in our human weakness so that we can understand God's truth and not be deceived by false teachers. When you pray in the Holy Spirit, it gives you a sense of discernment. And when you have a sense of discernment, you can figure out what's right and what's wrong because Holy Spirit will speak to you. The Bible says in Romans 8, 26, it says, likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the spirit does. The spirit itself would intercede for us with groanings too deep for words. So there are times we're praying in the Holy Spirit and we are literally releasing the mysteries and the answers over our life. Now, what the world wants to tell you is that that's, that's just mumbo jumbo. The, the, the praying in tongues ain't real. Y'all making that up. Why? Because they want to, they're like those snakes that slither in and want you to think that somehow this thing that we talk about praying in tongues is not a powerful force to help us live in the faith, but it is. And so we got to make sure we're doing it on a consistent basis, praying in the Holy Spirit. And if you say, well, pastor, I don't have a prayer language. Listen, all you have to do is ask. It's a gift from God. The Bible, we, we, we read a, a, a thing on Sunday and it said, no good thing will God withhold from them that walk upright. Well, if praying in the Holy Spirit is a good thing, God wouldn't withhold it from you. So if you had the desire of the gift of praying in the spirit, praying in tongues, simply ask God for it and then believe you receive and then open your mouth because you're not going to come and stretch your mouth open and draw the words out. You're going to hear it and you need to say it. Number three, keep yourself in God's love. Keep yourself in God's love. 
Jude 121, it says, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Understand that staying in God's love means living by faith and obedience to God. When we say God is love, we say his kingdom is love. We talk about seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. He says, understand what love is. Love is living by faith. It is understanding the faith. And then it is also being in obedience to God. Jesus told us in John 15 and 10, he says this. He says, if you keep my commandments, then you will, then your love, then you will remain in my love. It says, just as I have kept my father's commandments and remain in his love. You want to know whether you love God or not? Are you obeying him? <clears throat> Are you obeying God? Because obeying God is part of loving him. He says, if you keep my commandments, you're going to remain in my love. He says, the way I know that I remained in my father's love is because I kept my father's commandment. Watch this. Even unto death. Even unto death. Jesus went to the cross and died for us, not because he sinned, but because we sinned. And because it was the father's desire to win us back. So when he selected Jesus, even though Jesus asked the question, is there another way? Once the father said there's not another way, the Bible says he was obedient even to the cross. Understand, when you when you love God, we don't have, we no longer obey God out of fear. OK, we don't obey God out of fear. We obey God because he has captivated our hearts. We obey God because he has won our allegiance. He has done something for us that no one else could do. He paid a debt that we would have been in debt forever for. We could have never paid it. Now, with every good work we could imagine, we could have never paid for it. So I don't love God out of fear because why would I fear someone who did that for me? I love God because he's captivated my heart and he's won my allegiance. That's what the Bible says in Romans 6 and 17. It says, but thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have now become obedient. Come obedient from where? From the heart. To what? To the standard of teaching to which you were committed. When you came and you said, Lord, come into my life. Lord, save me. Lord, I give my life to you. Lord, I, I yield to you, God. Have your way, Lord. All that stuff you did when you got born again. He says, thanks be to God that you were once a slave to sin, but now through obedience of your heart, you are now living according to the standard and the teaching to which you were committed. You got to ask yourself, am I living according to the standard of the teaching to which I once was committed. And if you're not, then you repent, you turn and you go back and you seek God. The ultimate expression of our obedience to God is shown through our ability to love others, especially the people we, we deem unlovable. And everybody that we see, everybody that we deem unlovable, trust and believe somebody deems you as unlovable. But praise God, God loves us all. And so if we want to represent him and we want to live in the faith that he's talking about, this saving faith, love has to be a pillar in our lives. That's why the guiding word says, listen, don't fear, don't panic, and whatever you do, don't get out of love. And then lastly, and I'm done after this, number four, you got to learn how to wait with hope. 
You got to learn how to wait with hope. He says in, in, in Jude 121, he says, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. When he talks about contending for the faith, we must keep the fire of hope alive in our hearts. That's why Pastor Sean, when she was teaching a couple of weeks ago, she talked about not allowing. I think I was in Dubai when she was talking about that. She talked about not allowing uh, herself to get frustrated with people who call themselves believers, but are living contrary to God's word. You can't allow the enemy to cause you to get frustrated with those people, because if you do, you'll want to throw them away rather than pray for them. And that's not living with hope. We have hope and an expectation that everybody who's been called to the kingdom will have their eyes flooded with light. They will have their hearts flooded with truth. Their eyes will be open. Their ears will be open and that they will come to realize the hope that is the calling of Christ Jesus, that they would be a good citizen of the kingdom. When Jude says to wait expectantly for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life, let me put this in plain English. Here's what he says. He's referring to you living every moment of your life with a confident expectation that Jesus may return at any moment. If you knew for a fact that Jesus was coming back in 30 minutes, how fast would you get your life cleaned up? What would you stop doing if you knew? That, that at, 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 at 7.45 my time, maybe 9.45 somebody else's time, 10.45 somebody else's time, if you knew that Jesus was going to crack the sky and show up, how would you start behaving these next 30 minutes? He says, live your life with that kind of hope. Not out of fear. We're not afraid Jesus is going to come back. We have an expectation that he's coming back. But while he is yet tarrying, we're going to live our lives in such a way that if he showed up in five minutes or if he showed up in 30 minutes, if he showed up next week, next month, next year or next decade, he's going to find me living with an expectation like I was living, like he was going to show up in a few minutes. He says, and if you do those four things, he says, you will be in a position to contend for the faith. Contending for the faith has nothing to do with you believing for a car has nothing to do with you believing for healing, but it has everything to do with you being an ambassador for Christ. And when you have relationship and community with individuals who are trying to add something extra into this gospel message, that you have the wherewithal, that you have the boldness and the bravery to call out that wickedness and to say, no, 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 that does not fit with the faith. And my job is to contend for it. And I'm going to contend for it if all of society changes their opinion and says something else. I'm going to keep rocking with God. I'm going to keep rocking with this word. I'm going to study this word. I'm going to learn this word so that I am not fooled or pulled into thinking that because my best friend or because my mom or my dad or my brother or my sister or somebody I work with who I care about, because they live a different way, that I'm going to make amends for it and say that it's okay. I won't do it. I won't do it. I'm going to contend for the faith. Amen? All right, I'm done. 
Listen, if you've been blessed by the message, go ahead and put some hearts in the comments section. Put some fire in the comments section. Listen, I just encourage you. I encourage you not to miss out on the teaching that we're going to be talking about the next several weeks. I know it's going to make your flesh crawl. I know it's going to get on your nerve, but that's good teaching. That's what the word is supposed to do to your flesh. It's supposed to make your flesh want to run away because our job is to chase that flesh out of you. That's why the Bible says we cannot have an indifferent mindset. We've been talking about how we're complete in Christ. Well, if we're complete in Christ, let's keep his message complete. Let's keep his message complete. There is a standard for holiness living. In that Fellowship of Champions Church International, we're going to embrace that standard. We're not going to run from it. And just because somebody else does something that's popular and it gets on TikTok and everybody starts doing it, if it's contrary to the word of God, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. And we're going to love our brothers and sisters and those we're in community enough to tell them, hey, that ain't right. You got you got sucked in. They're they trying to give you a license to live immorally. That's not what we do here. We are a church teaching you to walk in love, <laughs> to live by faith. So that you, my dear, may experience God's prosperity in every single area of your life. And you can't do it living like the world. Amen. God bless y'all. Listen, I'm done. Uh, I've, I've done the announcements. You, if you attend church, you know what we got going on. We got some on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, and, and Sunday. Amen. <laughs> so praise God for that. Listen, be on the lookout. It's going to be a, a message that comes through on all of our social media platforms probably tomorrow uh, announcing uh, that on July 1st, our scholarship drive is starting. Listen, we want you to be a part of that. Help us help us make this our biggest year yet. Help us make this our biggest year yet. Well, Pastor, that, it's, it's a recession coming. Ain't no recession in heaven. We don't look to earth for our resources. God provides whatever we need. You make a determination what you want to do. And then God will see it through. Amen. Listen, you know, we have multiple ways to give. Uh, you can give uh, through push pay. You can give through tithely. You can give through GiveLify. You can even text to give. You can give by this texting the number 833-969-0897. Uh, you can even give through PayPal if you are an international partner. We ask you to only use PayPal if you are one of our international partners. We thank you for all that you've done uh, through the first six months of this year. Uh, it's been awesome. We haven't talked about it as much, but we're still blessing people. We're still helping people. We're still doing things. Uh, we're getting a reputation even in the city. Uh, other churches are sending people our way. Uh, and when we can help, we help. Amen. We can't be all things to everybody, but with any time the Lord tells us to do it, we're obedient. And we believe that every person in this ministry, if you will commit to be a tither, if you will be, commit to being a sower, that everything this ministry needs, we'll have it and we'll have it in abundance. Amen. And so for those of you who are going to give, you know, go ahead and do that tonight. Uh, you can give, I said, you know, give a five push pay tidily. And we thank our partners for giving. Amen. Listen, I'm done. Uh, I don't think there's any other announcements. Don't forget about the huddle on July 31st. We love you. Join us Friday morning. Join us Friday morning at 6.30 a.m., um, for the 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 uh, for the champion circle um, at 6:30 a.m. Central Standard Time. So whatever time that is, where, wherever you are, join us Friday morning um, and be blessed. Okay, be blessed, and we'll see you guys um, later. Amen.